Evening, church. There's a lot of newcomers here. Um, so if you don't know me, my name's Vindo, and I'm the pastor of this church. Now, if when you walk through those gates, I hope someone offered you a free coffee. I hope someone smiled at you, and I hope someone better looking than me said hi to you and introduced themselves to you. And it's really easy to be more better looking than me. But if no one did, oh, someone's in trouble. But later on, I will say hi to you. So you just have to put up with me just trying to latch on to you and trying to get to know you better. So we're, we're glad you're here. So welcome to Oikos Church. Church, would you just welcome the newcomers again? Woo-hoo. I remember when I was in high school. My high school was called Westside Christian College. Now, I made it to my cross-country... Uh, well, I was running in cross-country and I made it to the district team. Okay, so despite my looks, I'm pretty fit. Should see my summer, summer bod, but no, that's only Demi. Only Demi gets to see that. <laughs> it was summer. It was summer, and I remember the sun was shining high and bright. It was blazing. Unlike Perth, that has a dry type of hot. Brisbane, the place where I grew up in, it, it's famous for its humidity. So everyone is sweating. Every single school uniform looks like skins because it's stuck to the body. Everyone is perspirating. And I remember I'm standing at this starting line and what you would hear is on your marks, get set, go. And then you see all these little legs started running as fast as they could. It's a race towards the finish line. And I remember me, this kid who's sprinting as fast as he could. And for a while, I noticed the crowd started to disappear behind me and I couldn't see them no more. And I remember saying to myself and thinking to myself, yeah, I'm first. I'm the fastest. I'm the best. I'm number one. Until I heard my teacher say, hurry up, Vindo, you're last. (laughs) Which wasn't cool. And I'm running as fast as I could now. And and my teacher is like, you're an embarrassment, Vindo. (laughs) Embarrassment. Why are you coming last? And there I saw it. I, I saw a guy, another kid. He's just running in front of me. And he's, and he's looking back. He knows I'm, I'm gaining ground on him. And I'm just chasing him down. Just, tra- just chasing him down. And I kid you not, this is what I witnessed. He's, he's running. He's looking back. And then he started wobbling. And then he just... <laughs> and he just fully collapsed. Did I check if he was okay? No. I kept running. <laughs> I kept running. I ain't no good Samaritan, (laughs) but thanks to him, I didn't come last. I came second last. (laughs) The ambulance came and and it was okay, but what happened was it was such a hot day. He didn't have enough water. He was dehydrated. He was dehydrated. This is the reason why that dietitians, doctors, physiotherapists, personal trainers, mums, dads, anyone who cares about you, like your pastor would tell you, to drink water. Have enough water. Because if you don't have enough water in your system, what happens is your system breaks down. It won't be functioning, functioning properly. Dehydration is not just a matter of just a dry mouth or dry lips or feeling thirsty. No. Dehydration makes you tired. 
Dehydration can make you dizzy. Dehydration can give you headaches. It causes a whole bunch of problems down the line, and you can also suddenly collapse. Now, this is the problem. We've got so many Christians here feeling dizzy, having, you know, they're not thinking straight, they're in pain, they're in agony, they're having problems, they're, they're tired. And we have Christians collapsing all over the place. Why? It's because they're not staying hydrated. And they're not having this, and they're, they're spiritually thirsty. And they're trying to, to quench their thirst with something else. And they're quenching their thirst with something that's not meant to quench them. Have you ever been so thirsty that you went crazy? Where, where you, you would just drink anything? For Bear Grylls, it was his urine. If you ask most people who's been stranded out there in the sea, in the boat, in the middle of nowhere, they would tell you even seawater looks appealing to them. And so many people would perish because they would drink that seawater, which makes things worse and they become deceased. Water is precious. Tonight, I want to talk about a water that is so much more precious than the H2O that you and I are thinking of. But before we do so, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you. We thank you for these moments that you have gathered us to, to come and listen to your word. We ask the power of the Holy Spirit to help us see Jesus, help us to encounter Jesus. May this not be a lecture, may this not be just a speech, but may this be a personal experience to every one of us here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, travel back with me and you will witness the scene. As she walks towards the door, there on her wall lies her scarf. And she picks up this scarf and then she starts wrapping it around her face. Why? It was her head cover. It was her disguise. Why? She doesn't want to be recognized at all as she walks through those markets. As she's walking through these markets, she's not trying to buy anything. She's not here to shop. She's just trying to walk as fast as she can. And she's holding this jar of clay like a football and she's just running as fast as she could. She does not want any confrontation. She does not want any encounterment. And as she walks out of these streets, out of the city, into the destination that she wants to get to, there's no one there and she breathes out a breath of relief. Because in isolation, in solitude, there's no one there to judge you. She doesn't want to see anybody. And she's walking towards this well just to fill her jar up of the water that she needs for that day. And as she comes closer, there's someone sitting at the well. Who was sitting there? Now the scene goes away from her and switches to him. Who was sitting there? Jesus was sitting there. Now, why is he even sitting there? The Bible tells us it's because he's become way too popular to the Jewish populace. And what happens was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were getting really jealous, really annoyed at him because the crowd was coming to him to be baptized, not them. And so what happens is Jesus, it says he leaves Galilee And he goes, no, he leaves Judea and he goes back to Galilee. And the Bible tells us, circle this, underline this in your Bible. He 
had to go. He had to go through Samaria. Now, this is important because this isn't, this isn't a mere coincidence. This wasn't an accident that he meets this lady. No, no, this is providence. For you to even appreciate this passage, you need to understand how bad of a stigma that Samaria had. Because this doesn't mean much to us living in Perth 2018. But back then, Jewish people would avoid Samaria like a plague. Even though walking through Samaria will save them so much time that it's the shortest route if you just walk through Samaria, what they would do is they would put in the effort just to go around it, adding more time, more sweat, more, more energy, more risk and danger to their journey, but they, it's worth it for them because they just do not want to even step foot in this land. Why? Because in Samaria, we're Samaritans. Now, if you're a Jew, you would view Samaritans as half-castes, mixed breeds, moguls, if you will. And there's a teaching back in those days where God doesn't love Samaritans. How could he? They're rejects. But Jesus goes right through it. It says he had to go to Samaria. And he goes through Samaria and he sits at this well, 12 o'clock, 12 p.m. at noon. With the sun, it's at its zenith. It's at its peak. It's at its highest point. It is blazing. It is an inferno. And in that culture, in that day, you don't go towards the well at that time. Because normally, normal people would go towards the well at early in the morning or late in the afternoon. To be at that well at that time, people will view you as crazy. Also, back in that day, the well, that was women's territory. This is where all the women will come and, and gather around this well. It's, it's drawing water was a woman's job, but it wasn't so burdensome because it's an opportunity for all the ladies in town to, to come and gather to have a chit-chat. This is where all the news get passed around. This is where, this is, this is your social media. This is where they, they discuss about things. This is where they talk about who does what, who's gone where. And of course, the lady in our passage would be of a hot topic for all these other ladies to talk about. Oh my gosh, did you, did you see who she slept with? Or did you see who she was with? And... And she's just avoiding them. She doesn't want that sort of confrontation. Have you ever had or overheard someone badmouth about you and you were just right there? She's avoiding that. And church, I want you to get your head around exactly who this lady is. She's a reject. She's the lowest of the low. She's... She's an outcast of the outcast. Even other Samaritan ladies don't want to be with her. She's, she's a divorcee. Now in that day and age, to even be divorced once, that would bring dishonor and shame to your whole family, to your whole clan. But to be divorced two times, three times, four times, five times, is unspeakable. It is horrendous. That's who she is. The town wants to do 
nothing with her. She is a lost cause. She is a case that is lost. There is nothing that they can do for her. They don't even want to be seen with her. She is an emotional train wreck. As she approaches this well, she's probably annoyed. Man, come here in the blazing heat, in this sort of temperature, just to be alone. And there, there's a man. And, and from the way he's dressed, he's, he's a tie, he looks like a Jewish man. Just my luck. They're, they're the people that hate us. They're the people that oppressed us. They're the people that burnt down one of our temples a few hundred years ago. There's bad blood between us and the Jews. Just my luck. And he's just sitting right there. She walks towards this well, just minding her own business. business. And before she know it, this guy, this stranger asks her, can I have a drink? Can I have a drink? She's shocked. Because Jews and Samaritans, they're never associated with each other. And this is what she says. You know, I'm a Samaritan, right? And, and you're a Jew. And you know, I'm, I'm a woman, right? And, and you're a man. Jesus, he's single, he's male. And in that day and culture, males, they don't even talk to their female counterparts that much. They don't even talk to their wives that much in public. And, and a single man would never talk to a female at any one time. And here he's talking to a Samaritan and she's a woman. Man, boundaries are being crossed here. There shouldn't even be a Jew in Samaria. What is he even doing here? What, can I have a drink? Why are you talking to me? But then Jesus replies, if you knew the gifts of God, and if you knew, if you had a clue who was talking to you, you would have asked him for living water. Now I'm just reading this passage, and, and I hope you can see where I'm coming from. Perfect stranger, can I have a drink? Why are you even talking to me? I'll give you living water. What? She's a logical lady. You're going to give me living water? Dude, you don't even have a bucket. Okay, this well, it's how deep? And you don't even have a bucket. Okay, let's just make it practical here. Let's, let's try to put it in an equation or mathematics or something. You got no buckets. You got no tool. The well's deep. How are you even going to offer me a drink? And then she asks are you greater than our father Jacob who dug the well for his sons and his livestock? But then verse 13, Jesus replies, whoever drinks out of this well will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. And now this gets weird. I'll give you living water. Now the term living water was not a spiritual term. It was actually a frequent used, common term back in that part of the world. Most of the water that they drank was from a well, from a cistern, from a pond. In other words, it was sitting water. It was still water. It's water that didn't move. It was water that didn't taste too good. It either tasted like clay, but it was drinkable. 
Living water, in other hands, is water where you get from a waterfall, a stream, or a river. That's the sweet water. That's the good water. That's the valuable water because that's the only type of water that, according to rabbinic law, can make unclean people clean again. It was used for ceremony. That's, that's the good type of water. Everyone knew in Samaria, geographically, there is no rivers, there is no streams. Hence why when a Jewish guy comes to Samaria and says, I can offer you living water, he's taken aback. He's probably thinking, you serious? You, you're a Jew. You don't even know the local terrain. There's, there's another source of water somewhere. Even Jacob had to come here. There was no water in Samaria in the Festus. That's why he dug this well. And so you're claiming, you're saying that there's a river here, there's a stream here somewhere. Oh, yeah, I want some of that. Give me that. She, she's like, she's probably thinking, that's convenient. Why? Because I don't have to come here through this blazing temperature of the day, noon, just to gather water. It's tiring living a life of a ninja, trying to avoid people, trying to live in the shadows. It's tiring. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of going to the well, journeying a couple kilometers and a couple kilometers back just to have enough water for, for my use, for me to drink, for me to bathe, whatever. Give me that water so then I don't have to thirst again. But she stumbles on this metaphor. Because Jesus wasn't talking about literal water. No, no, he wasn't. He, he was talking about spiritual water. Jesus wasn't offering her water for her jar. Jesus was offering her water for her soul. She doesn't understand the gift because she has yet to identify the giver. Verse 16, Jesus says, go call your husband and come back. Now, have you ever noticed? Have you ever read this and stopped? Hey, hey, Jesus, we're talking about water. We're talking about hydration. Why did you change the topic to marriage? That's weird. Why, why the leapfrog in topic? It, it doesn't connect. How, what does water and hydration have to do with anything about relationships? That, that doesn't make sense. Jesus, what are, you, what are you talking about? Here's why. Because, the, yes, the conversation was around water, hydration. Yes, this is a necessity for the human body to function. But he's not actually talking about actual water. He's not talking about actual hydration. Jesus is saying, he's not saying, this is what he's not saying. He's not saying that you will never need H2O ever again. He's not saying that if you're in a football team, American football team, with Adam Sandler, you can fire the water boy because you don't, with Jesus, you don't need a water boy anymore. He's not saying that. What he's talking about is a, is a soul thirst, a spiritual thirst. You will never be internally thirsty again. And this is what he's saying. I'll prove it. Go call your husband. Because in the area of relationship with men, that's where you are constantly trying to find fulfillment. That is where you are constantly trying to quench your thirst in the area of marriage. 
Now for her, it was, it was marriage. But what about us? What are we always trying to quench our thirst with in our daily lives? Is it our, is that our studies? Is it our career? Is it our jobs? Is it our promotion? Is it to be our recognition? Is it, is it fame? Is it any gaming achievement? And, and I'll ask you this, and let's be honest. Have you ever achieved it? Have you ever reached towards your goal? Have you ever taken, let's say your goal was to, to, to get a house, and suddenly you get a house. Do you think that will fulfill you? Do you know how many people will say, okay, I got my house, but I need a bigger one. I got a car, but I need a better car. Have you not noticed in our society where people just change partners all the time? Before we can judge this lady, this is exactly like our culture today. He didn't complete me. Maybe I should find someone else to complete me. People are trying to quench their thirst with a whole bunch of different things. And Jesus is saying today, the thirst which is within your soul, if you try to quench that thirst with any other pursuit, any other relationship, any other comforts, anything else but me, you can try to drink from those things, but those things will not satisfy you. It will not. C.S. Lewis says this, and I'll modernize it and I'll make it a bit PG because you can go home and read it yourself. Creatures are not born with a desire unless there's a satisfaction for those desires to exist. I'll say it again. Creatures are not born with a desire unless satisfaction for those desires exists. For example, a baby, does, a baby feels hunger. There is something like milk to fulfill it. A duckling wants to swim. There is something like a pond so it can swim around so its desire will be fulfilled. There is this human desire to seek out thrills. There is something that fulfills that desire and they're called roller coasters. And he says this, if I find myself a desire which no experience, no thing, no one in this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation is maybe I'm meant for another world. You got that? You are not made for this earth. Your soul was made for, to exist for something much more. And Jesus says, go call your husband. But, but Jesus, I, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You had five. And the one that you're with right now isn't even your husband. Because that's the way you've been trying to quench your thirst. Jesus zooms in on her search. I know your desire. I am the fulfillment. I am the satisfier. The lady and Jesus, then they had some more conversation. They had some more dialogue. And what happens is he tries to divert his attention and he's just talking about, okay, Jesus, how do I find God? Is it in a, is it in a mountain or is it in a temple? Where, where can I search for God? But then Jesus explains, you know what? A time is coming and has come 
where the people of God will worship God in spirit and in truth. And he says, and she says, I know when the Messiah, when the Christ comes, he's going to explain a whole bunch of things for us. And then Jesus reveals himself to her. He says, I, who you speak to, am he. I am what you need. What he's offering her is not a place to worship, but a person to worship. He's offering her himself. I'm the Messiah. And, and I love this passage, church. I, I just love it because it just shows me. And if you ever ask, how low is God willing to go? You know, even despite society telling him, Jesus, you should not be in that area. Jesus, you should not be talking to those people. Don't you know what they've done? Don't you know who they're associated with? Don't you know what they've done and did? Jesus, they are dirty. They are filthy. This is a lady who has divorce after divorce. And the man that she's with is not even a husband. It's probably another, another lady's husband. You know who she is. Why are you coming to her? But you know, this is our Jesus. He crosses every boundary, crosses every line. He is always socially absurd. He, is, he will be politically incorrect just to be with who he needs to be with. You. You. Six guys in marriage. I don't know how you are with relationships, but I don't think you're as bad as this lady. Have you had five husbands? Anyone? No. But maybe you're here today and you think, but, but Vindo, I'm, I'm still pretty bad with relationships. I have breakups after breakups. My relationship with my parents are even bad. My relationship with my siblings are bad. I don't even have any friends. I am bad with relationships. I'm here to tell you today, yeah, God knows. God knows you're bad with relationships. But I'm here to tell you, He still wants a relationship with you. He still wants a relationship with you. And I think this lady gets it. I really think this lady gets it because Scripture tells us as the 12 disciples come back from their Macca's run, Peter's eating chicken nuggets, dipping in sweet and sour sauce, and they, they walk towards this well, and they see Jesus, yeah, he's there, but he's with a woman, a Samaritan. Why are they even talking? Peter, you've got to say something. You're always saying stuff. Oh, no, my mouth's full. Like, you know, I'm not going to rebuke Jesus. He's, everything he says turn out red. No. <laughs> what happens is as they got closer, the Bible tells us the lady runs. The lady runs. Okay, it's, she's not running away. Let me tell you, she's not running away because she's already ran to something. She's not running away from the disciples. Oh no, there was just one Jewish guy here. Oh no, now there's another 12 Jewish guys um, legging it. No, she's, she's not running away. The Bible tells us she leaves her jar. She leaves a jar. What was that jar for? 
It's for her to dip it in that well to get enough water for her to use that day. But she leaves that jar. Why? Why can she leave this jar? Because she doesn't need earthly water no more. Because she's found another source. She's not running away from the disciples. You know where she's running to? The Bible tells us she runs to town. The town that stick up their nose when they see her. The town that says, get out of my peripheral. I don't even want to see you. The town that despise her. The town that, that knows her bad and questionable reputation. The town that at the beginning of the passage, she was trying to avoid with all her might. That's why she's here at 12 p.m. at the, the midst of noon. In that temperature, she's trying to avoid people. But here she runs to that town. She runs to them. And this is what she says. Verse 29. Come. Guys, come. Come and see a man who's told me everything that I've done. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the promised Messiah? Can this be the Savior of the world? Let's skip to verse 39. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of this woman's testimony. In other words, her story. He's told me everything that I've done. What happened? From a lady who was trying to avoid everyone, now to a lady who runs towards everyone. What happened? It's because she has the living water that, as Jesus says, just wells up, roils up, gargles up, erupts out of her. She is overflown with His love, mercy and grace and she cannot keep it within herself. That's what Christianity is about. When you experience the living God, you can't help but to share about Him. And she says she shared her story, her testimony. She wasn't proud of it. But she can share about it. What Jesus has brought out into the light is no more, no longer a weapon that's used against her as the accuser says, oh, you used to be a prostitute. Oh, you used to be with these how many men? What Jesus has brought out into the light is no longer a weapon used against her but is used as a testimony, as a tool for her to use to bring others to Him. I used to be the biggest loser. I used to be bitter. I used to think death upon my enemies, but I'm not proud of that. But when Jesus, would, but when I meet Jesus, things change. Things change. This is what the townsfolk says to this woman. We no longer believe because of what you just said. We no longer believe Jesus just because of your testimony. No, no, no. We have seen for ourselves this is the Savior of the world. Church, I encourage you today, if you have a story, don't hide it. 
it is not a weapon against you anymore. It's something that you can use to glorify God and to advance His kingdom. There is nothing in, in Christ, there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no condemnation. As the enemy accuses you, what court could he bring you in? When God says, everything is mine, I am the judge and I have sentenced this person righteous. What can the accuser do? Nothing. That's a good ending, isn't it? So now before we come towards the table, we are reminded of the cross of Christ, of what He has done for us. He didn't have to come, but He chose to. He had to come or else we'd be in deep trouble. As the Romans guards took him, framed him, as the Jewish leaders framed him, he was taken, beaten, whipped, as, as his flesh tore off his back. We were reminded that he has come to a broken people. But his body was broken for us. By his, the Bible says, by his wounds, we are healed. Yet the crowd was not satisfied and they kept yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And you know what he did also for his enemies? He satisfies that. The well of Jacob you got to have a jar. you got to have tools. you got to put it down into the well. And you have to use your effort. You have to use your work to reel out, to draw out enough water for yourself. And even if you drink from that water, you will still thirst. It's a deep well. And there's a lot of effort. But the spring of God is abundant. There is no work to be done. As Jesus offers Himself, the spring of God is much deeper than that. As the nails pierced his, through His skin, His flesh and His bones, as the spear was pierced towards His side, as the blood poured out, there was also forgiveness of sin. Living water was the only type of water that is, can be used for ceremonial cleaning and cleansing but the blood of Christ that was poured out for us spiritually cleanse us for all of eternity and it was the blood of Christ that silenced our accusers His love is extensive His love is expansive Church tonight as we come and, and take the bread and the cup Remember that. God bless you, church.